1: Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plant, it's time to Hempresent. Our radio resident hemposapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hempresent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak.
2: Present Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can fill your knowledge void of cannabinoids and get your PhD in THC and CBD, because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it, seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle HempFest. Speak speaking flower to power for 28 years and found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle HempFest from Aha Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Today's guest on Hemp Present is hip hop artist, producer, educator and consultant Baba Israel. Baba Israel was raised in New York by parents who were core members of the renowned Living Theater. He was Artistic Director of Contact Theater in Manchester, where he developed several festivals and productions. Baba was a resident artist at Brick Media Center in Brooklyn, creating his last multimedia performance, The Spinning Wheel, in collaboration with London-based company, Unfinished Business. Baba Israel is a core member of Hip Hop Soul Project, Soul Inscribed, who recently completed the American Music Abroad Program. He holds an MFA in Interdisciplinary Arts from from Goddard College. And is the co-artistic director of the Performance Project based at the University Settlement. He's a proud member of HERE's HARP program and is developing his current production, Cannabis, a theatrical concert. Baba Israel developed as a young artist exploring spoken word hip hop and experimental performance at venues such as New York and Poets Cafe. He co-founded Playback NYC, the first playback theater company to integrate freestyle hip hop, bringing theater to communities such as prisons, hospitals, union events, and recently schools focused on supporting immigrant communities in Long Island. Baba's debut solo show, Boom Bap Meditations, was supported by the Ford Foundation and the Hip Hop Theater Festival. And he has toured across Asia, Africa, Europe, the South Pacific, North, and South America as a hip-hop and theater artist. And led culture ambassador programs internationally supported by the U.S. State Department. His bio continues, but I think I should just say, welcome, Baba, to present on Cannabis Radio. I
3: appreciate you, and I love hearing your voice, and I'm so thankful for all the work you do in this world.
2: A man just right back at you. Uh, so so diving right back, diving right in uh, to this, because we have so little time to cover so much ground with your amazing body of work. Your parents were members of The Living Theater, an American theater company founded in 1947 and based in New York City, founded by Judith Molina and Julian Beck, who by the way is the father of Garrick Beck, a founder of the Rainbow Gatherings. I saw a video of your father, Steve Ben Israel, and now I understand you a little better. Can you start by just talking a little bit about your dad and the influence your parents had on your development as an artist?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, my my father, you know, the late great Steve Ben Israel, rest in peace, was, uh, you know, an artist in all senses of the word. And he really believed in something called performance life. He believed that every day we have a chance to test our art on the anvil of life. And he came up in Brooklyn in the 50s. And he used to say that he was escaping the 19, the mayonnaise of sinking into the mayonnaise of the 1950s. And he did that through jazz and through coming to the village and meeting people like Bob Dylan and Lenny Bruce and this wonderful countercultural scene with Richie Havens and just you know Allen Ginsberg and beat poets and you know that's where he connected with the living theater at the Village Gate and he got turned on to the possibilities of art as a means of social change and of revolutionary action and uh, he met my mother in Europe in Amsterdam you know when they were they were eventually exiled from from the states because of political reasons they were touring in Europe for many years in North Africa and South America and so that commitment to art as counterculture, as resistance, as transformation is just the the stew that I was raised in.
2: Well, it it you know that influence, that that deep uh, ingrained uh, influence certainly shows in your work. And I and I actually like the ambiance of the the siren in the background. It <laughs> <Of course. laughs> really adds some flavor to it. I first met you. I first met you when you did just a stunning freestyle rap session on the main stage of Seattle Hempfest. You weren't scheduled and a speaker said, hey, I want someone to, to sit in with me for a minute. And I was just, I was completely blown away. Uh, and I've seen a lot of amazing stuff on that stage. You developed as a young artist exploring spoken word, hip hop, experiment, experimental performance, uh, along with artists such as Akim, the funk Buddha in the city where hip hop originally emerged as street art. Uh, What are a few of your first memories of hip hop and who were your first influences uh, in the genre?
3: Well, first of all, I want to appreciate that because you're you're a master of rhyme yourself, which we know I always enjoy your intro and the way you play with words and verse. So I want to shout you out about that. And that person, that speaker was actually Martin Lee, which, you know, I, we will come back to later, I'm sure. But I, you know, I, you know, when I was growing up, you know, growing up in the eighties in New York City, you know, hip hop was really coming into its own. It's a culture that began in the Bronx in the seventies, you know, and the Bronx was, you know, going through a period of great neglect. And, you know, it was a, it was a time where there was a lot of arson and a lot of challenges and hip hop really grew as a culture because human beings need culture. We need to sing. We need to dance. We need to speak. We need to tell stories. This is this is a really ancient part of the human experience and I find hip-hop to be a a modern version of folk culture you know what I mean whether it's you know folk musicians gathering around and singing songs or MCs gathering around and freestyling to me it's the same human impulse so when I came up it was you know seeing the b-boys and b-girls dancing on cardboard it was the beatboxing in the lunchroom at school you know and then it was early influences like Run DMC and Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five you know who did the song The Message which really made a connection between this new emerging culture and the traditions that I grew up in which was about using art for social change so I felt that creative spirit and that legacy that you had from you know the great funk and soul traditions of James Brown and the blues and jazz and all of that just mixing up and creating this new form called hip-hop culture and you know I saw my first show in 85 and I've been in love with the culture ever since.
2: Uh, You spent time in Australia where you received a grant from the Australian Arts Council to produce and perform in the hip hop theater production, The Binge, uh, which included touring juvenile detention centers. Uh, And you became an arts director uh, during this time, working with organizations like Urban World, BAM, University of Madison. You've been a cultural ambassador with the State Department, delivering workshops and performances in in Southeast Asia, Gambia, Turkey, etc. What have your experiences in these places taught you about people and the universal impact of of rhyme and music, Uh, especially in this time when we seem to be so... Americans just seems to be so absorbed in our own divinity, our own concept of our own culture.
3: You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, I think, you know, because my parents grew up, you know, traveling the world and, and using art as a way to connect with people, like I've always grown up with a sense that we are, we're global citizens. We are all part of this planet. And, you know, when I travel, I remember going to, you know, uh, Cambodia, Indonesia, you know, I went to some remote places, went to Papua New Guinea, you know, some of these are some places that I, you know, I didn't know much about, you know, I maybe had some sense of the culture. I remember beatboxing for the first time in a a village in Cambodia and 5,000 people, the whole village came out and I remember the energy and the sense of surprise and delight as these rhythms (laughs) came out of my mouth and people started to dance and connect and then you know I remember being in Indonesia and and one of the members of our band teaching some uh, gamelan you know which is traditional music of Indonesia teaching them the blues and having all of a sudden they're playing the blues on gamelan instruments. I remember being in Mauritius and you know being doing a show and the creole community which is the african community in mauritius getting harassed by the police because they were doing a dance battle and uh you know we we tried to intervene and tried to you know build a bridge in that moment and we ended up coming back and doing a project with that community and you know using hip-hop as a way to you know speak up for folks who are marginalized so what I found is everywhere that I travel in the world I find a hip-hop community we just got back from Peru recently we met hip-hop artists rapping in the indigenous language of Quechua you know so I I just I'm so moved when I travel the world and I find that people have no idea about hip-hop they make the connection because it's such an immediate and spontaneous culture and then that there's also people who are deeply committed to this culture all over the world and it just blows my mind when I experience that
2: Let's, uh, we got uh, a couple minutes before the break uh, coming up. Um, so you've got a new project, or uh, you've got so many projects. You have a project, Cannabis, a theatrical yeah. concert. What's that about, man?
3: This is, you know, my, my, my central project right now, and it's a big moment in my life. You know, that speaker you mentioned was Martin Lee, and Martin Lee's a great, you know, writer and activist and, you know, runs a wonderful nonprofit project, CBD. Smoke and he wrote signals, a wonderful
4: book. Among, among other books, right? Exactly. Acid
3: so he Acid Dreams. Acid Dreams, which is, you know, he interviewed my father for Acid Dreams, which is how I know Martin. Because uh, my, you know, the the Living Theatre used a lot of cannabis and LSD in their creative practice. Believe me. Uh, so, you know, he was he interviewed my dad back back in the day, and, and I connected with Martin. We've always had a relationship. And during the, you know, I made a show about my father when he passed away. That's the show, the Spinning Wheel. And when I was research, researching that show, I was tuning into smoke signals because it synthesized a lot of information, a lot of stuff that my dad had taught me. I mean, my dad gave me really the blues about Mes- Mesro, you know, by, you know, when I was about 12 years old, it was like a book, a rite of passage, introduced me to the great history of the Vipers and the jazz era. And, you know, so I've always been interested in this and, and aware of it. And when I read Smoke Signals, I just, the page just started to animate in my mind and I started to hear songs and I started to hear the words of the book turning into raps and, and you know, songs and, and music. And, and I reached out to Martin actually at that Seattle Hemp It's where I first had the conversation. I said, hey, man. I really want to turn your book into a show. How do you feel about that? And he gave me his blessing. And so that was the beginning of this project was that moment at Seattle Henfest. And since that moment, I've been, you know, taking that book, going through it, identifying the different stories, the characters, and taking the language of that book and turning it into verse and turning it into verse to be wrapped and sung and turning it into a full show. And we, we're really happy that we've now landed a residence in a wonderful off-Broadway theater called Here Art Center in New York. And we're, over the next couple of years, going to turn this into a full production that tells the history of cannabis with a focus on the, the last hundred years in America.
2: Wow. And, uh, and very quickly, uh, how, are, how are people going to be able to, to check that out? Well, um,
3: it's where we're planning to tour the show across the country. Uh, you can look up, you know, my website babaisrael.com or my band's website soulinscribe.com, and we'll be putting updates there. Uh, we're doing work in progress performances. We're doing a conversation with Martin Lee in New York next week at a great CBD store called Comeback Daily. And uh, you know we're just going to be really researching and developing it, and you know there's such a rich, important history, and we want to we want to do it justice, and we want to you know honor the great artists like the Beatles and Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald who have a connection to cannabis, and we want to honor the heroes like Dennis Perone and Brownie Mary and other great folks, and we want we've created songs about them, and you know and then we want to tell our own stories, and we want to really celebrate this incredible plant which has had such an impact on humanity for the last 10,000 years, and we want to explore why it's been criminalized and why prohibition has happened and we want to bring that out using art because we know that culture is what really moves people in their hearts and what opens people's minds and we feel that culture is so important you know to cannabis and as business expands and industry expands we've got to make sure that you know the commitment to social justice to art and culture and to the people the everyday people stays connected in the cannabis community
2: and we're going to take a pause for the cause hear a word from our sponsors and advertisers Pause for the cause because there's flaws in the laws. And come back with more Baba Israel.
1: Time to roll out for the people that let us hem present. Hang loose. We're coming right back.
2: Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The games about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, and the board, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, with Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you life yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap channel. You know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc.
5: The National Cannabis Industry Association's 6th Annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo returns to San Jose, California's McInerney Convention Center July 22nd through the 24th. Register today at CannabisBusinessSummit.com and take part in the most influential, award-winning cannabis conference and trade show hosted by the cannabis industry's only national trade association. NCIA's Cannabis Business Summit and Expo offers attendees three days of engagement and interactive programs. Arrive early so you can participate in our pre-conference workshops and off-site tours. Join hundreds upon hundreds of exhibitors and thousands upon thousands of attendees at NCIA's 6th Annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo July 22nd to the 24th in San Jose, California. Register today at CannabisBusinessSummit.com. That's
6: CannabisBusinessSummit.com. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida, for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at USCCExpo.com. That's USCCExpo.com.
1: We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now back
2: to our headstrong Emperor of Hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back on Cannabis Radio with Baba Israel. Baba, you're the co-founder and artistic director of Playback New York City Theater Company, who uh, brings theater to hospitals, prisons, homeless shelters, as as well as. Uh, festivals. Your company recently developed projects to support immigrant communities in Long Island in a series of performances and workshops funded by the Hagedorn Foundation. How powerful is music and art as a tool for political change and support for marginalized communities?
3: You know, I think it's essential. You know, I think art is is always been a way that we heal as human beings, you know, whether we're processing the, you know, the loss of somebody in our community, you know, that processing grief or we're celebrating a moment of connection, a new birth, there's always been people that have sang songs and written poems and created dances about these major moments in life. And at the same time when there's been struggles, you know, whether it's political struggles or you know, dealing with tyranny and power, people have always sang out and there's always been a tradition of protest music. And, you know, I grew up with a father who raised me, you know, and taught me about the IWW and, you know, the the anarchist unions and, you know, the the great protest songs and, and union songs. And so when I heard hip hop I made those connections. You know, so for me I just I just have seen firsthand, you know, I've been, I've been in homeless shelters where we've done shows and where we've seen seniors who are homeless tell their stories and, you know, tell a moment where, you know, that they feel proud of in their lives or, you know, going into a prison. I remember we did a show in a prison once and a, and a young man who was in prison and this was a 20 year to life, serious situation. You know, he, he said right now during this show, I feel free. You know, and I remember that that moment will stay with me for the rest of my life. I remember performing in an AIDS hospice and using freestyle hip hop to reflect on people's experiences there. You know, I've just had so many experiences with with theater and music as a way to not only, you know, instigate and agitate change, but also to be a form of healing, you know, and where people can feel reflected and honored. And I think a lot of the stories out there and a lot of the music out there we see in the mainstream, it leaves a lot of people out. And that that leaves a great opportunity for other artists to step in and represent what's missing.
2: As a a theater and hip hop artist, you performed with just an amazing array of artists, Outkast, Philip Glass, Vernon Reed. How do you how do you stay so grounded and 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 humble and and you just you keep it so real? Uh, Is that is that those influences that you've had or or which what, what would you say to that?
3: You know, I think it's you know I think it really it is has a lot to do with how I was raised. You know, I, I grew up around my parents, you know, my mother and father, and and you know their theater company, who were like my aunts and uncles, and you know I grew up seeing you know what it meant for people to work with community. My mother worked in the community theater in New York City, and I spent all my time there. I was in the children's political theater company as a kid, and so for me, you know, I've just always felt this connection between you know. Art and performance and all the fun and the great energy. I know you, you know, you're, you're, you've, you've rocked out in your time and rocked bands and you know all the positive energy that comes from being an artist. But there's also something else, you know. When we do playback theater, it's we see that as like almost an act of service. You know, you're, te- you're, you're using your art to tell someone else's story to reflect their experience. So for me, you know, that keeps me humble. You know, I work with young people, I work with kids, I work with seniors, I work with so many different communities. Uh, and and in that context, you know, I did a show to. They at elementary school, you know, they they they're not interested in celebrity. They want to, they want to know who you are, right? That in that <laughs> moment, and how can you connect that's with right. them? And like you 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 get in front of some you know second graders, you know that's the realest audience you'll ever see. And that keeps you humble, you know, and and I'm, you know, I'm a a father myself. I have a a daughter and I have, I'm a caregiver for my mother who's now 85 years old. And, you know, so I think there's a lot of, a lot of real life stuff also teaches you that, you know, life is a mix, you know, and it's, it's got, it's blessings and it's challenges. And part of being an artist is just being present with that and, you know, being part of a community. So I'm thankful for the great mentors, people like my dad, a great artist named Paul McIsaac, who was a supporter of the cannabis show that we're developing in the early stages, you know, These folks have taught me what it means to be an artist and an activist, and that requires humility and creativity and a lot of improvisation.
2: Baba, hip-hop is just, it's such a broad, diverse, uh, multifaceted genre. It just covers so much ground. But a degree of commercial and underground hip-hop music can be very materialistic with misogynistic messages, some with lyrical content and imagery about gang violence, retaliation. Uh, it seems that 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 that's I believe small uh, sector of of hip hop gets a, a disproportionate popular profile, a disproportionate degree of attention. Are you ever concerned that mainstream America might have a very limited and incomplete opinion of the hip hop general uh, genre in general, just because of the degree of exposure that the kind of gangster rap style hip hop gets?
3: I, you know, you. I think you summed that up really appropriately. I think that's always a concern for hip hop artists who are really connected to the culture and the community of hip hop. You know, if you look at if you look at West mainstream in general from any genre, we we see that it tends to be the <laughs> hyper hypermaterialistic, hyperviolent. violent, yeah. You know, hy- hypersexualized. You know, there's nothing wrong with sex, but we want to see sex portrayed in a way that's holistic and, and wonderful. And yeah, you, know, you can see the not- same
2: thing of Hollywood movies that get all the-
3: exactly exactly so you know it's a it's a it's a problem with larger american culture it's a problem it's a problem that's in our white house right now
2: it's a problem
3: that's (laughs) you know it's a problem that's all across the country is like what is it that gets you know invested in and supported and for me you know there was a time where you know artists like public enemy were platinum you know where artists like krs1 were you know had huge videos that were charting across the country so you know i think that you know there has been a shift and you know there there you know there has been a, an emphasis on the kinds of things that you were you were highlighting But I think there's always been and always will be, uh, you know, a countercultural existence of hip hop, a community existence, an international scope. I mean, listen to hip hop from Senegal or Brazil and you'll hear very politically relevant material. So hip hop is a global culture now. So in a way, part of it is also expanding our lens of what hip hop is and who does it, and who creates it um, and where we can find it. But I think, you know, to me, it's no coincidence that gangster rap originated in L.A., And therefore, really Hollywood, because a lot of the early gang, a lot of the early gangster rappers were actually children of professors or people who were in disco groups ten years before. So, if you really do your research, you realize that there's always been a, you know, the thing about gangs too is that we have to recognize and have a broad view that you know we live in a in a a culture that has you know systemically criminalized people of color and destabilized black and brown communities. You know, using the drug
2: war as a very effective
3: exactly. And the war on drugs and the, and the war on cannabis have been a huge part of that, and that has destabilized communities and gangs have emerged as criminal entities, but also as social entities. And some, you know, some of those kinds of energies you know, ended up becoming people like the Young Lords and Black Panthers and, you know, and groups who organized and, and, and did work for their communities. So you know, it's a complex issue, but I think for me, you know, if you really do your homework and I encourage people to look deeply into hip hop, you'll see that it's a really powerful and expansive culture that's there at its roots.
2: You know, you mentioned the White House and, and Donald Trump and this kind of human rights and environmental uh, just catastrophe uh, that we have going on right now. This just this, this crazy, you know, racist and sexist and just corporatist, uh, uh, you know, uh, kabuki theater that we're living through. That's right. And, 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 and in the 60s, 1960s we had the Vietnam War and and civil rights and, and women's rights and so many struggles were, were going on and some of the greatest art and music and poetry of the century came out during that, that time of struggle. Um, now it seems like we've got a similar uh, a boiling pot of, of things to protest and to speak out against and to advocate. Um, yet it seems like like the industries are just infinitely more sewn up by this, this corporate uh, dominance. Uh, are you hopeful that art will break out and and make some some serious, uh, profound statements about this insanity that we're living through right now, and the hope that springs from
3: it? Yeah yeah no, I am hopeful for it I, you know and i 'm seeing signs of it you know i 'm seeing i 'm seeing you know there are artists out there who are starting to take some more chances you know i 'm seeing i 'm starting to see some things break through you know whether it 's in theater whether it 's some of the work that 's you know even on Broadway at the moment whether it 's some of the hip hop music that 's coming out i 'm seeing artists. Started to take more chances and realize it's time to speak up. I think that, like you're saying, that it's you know it, we live in a complex time where these industries have have changed and we live in this with these nefarious and devious algorithms that tend to promote and heighten stuff that have, that inc you know uh, instigates conflict instead of transforms it. So there's a lot of battles to be to be waged, whether it's you know online or whether it's in real everyday life and out on the front lines of protest and civil action and but i think for me i you know i always try to i try not to let my i don't i don't want my life to be defined just by mainstream media you know so i, I try to travel and connect with people directly and stay in touch with interesting artists and activists around the country. Um, and when you do that, you start to realize that there's actually a lot of wonderful, inspiring stuff happening, a lot of moving stuff. You know, I felt that when I went to Seattle Hemfest and I got to hear speakers, you know, it's one of the things that inspired me to do this show. You know, I, I went to that, that speaker's tent and listened to testimonials from veterans about what cannabis meant for PTSD. I listened to activists talk about people who were, you know, incarcerated for for helping people with medical issues you know and and that kind of spirit and that conviction is part of what made me say hey i have to use my heart and my art to deal with this theme of cannabis because of what it of all the issues and the things it connects to because it connects the civil rights it connects the human rights it connects the wellness and well-being and it connects to racial justice and many other areas so that's you know that's that's part of what i'm doing with my art at the moment
2: BabaIsrael.com and you can uh, actually just wait for another minute and hear even more as we come back with our final questions for Baba Israel after this word from our sponsors and advertisers time to roll out
1: for the people that let us have present hang loose we're coming right back
5: now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping pouches premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease 2000- Garden centers throughout North America, and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you, or order yours online at SmartPots.com.
1: We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak.
2: We're back with our final questions for Baba Israel. Uh, Baba, wow, man, I just your 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 whole approach is just so awesome it's just so much what i'm about and and it's just so impressive man uh and so just i'm just so thankful to be connected with you on a personal level uh and then to have you on the show it's just it's really thrilling uh do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners so we still have a few minutes well, I just want to say thank you
3: to Viv- Vivian McPeak, who makes me want to speak and just feel free and give my remedy with this chemistry of this plant, with the THC and CBD. I'm thinking of Martin Lee. I want to imagine a country where everyone could be and free so they can deal with their own reality and the injustice as we discuss this. So let's trust this. I want to create a show, a show that will impact so many so we can tell the story and the history. Let's dispel the mystery. This is freestyle off the top of the mind. Using cannabis should not be a crime. It should be a tool to benefit your mind your heart your spirit your whole system so check this rhythm and flow have a vision from your soul and let's resist this corporate control so all of you out there let's visualize a show that honors our community and culture not like a vulture that swoops in but something that inspires we'll travel through time through song and rhyme back like a storyteller to the days of Louis Armstrong and Ella or Pancho Villa the Mexico revolution we'll find solutions as we start connecting we'll see a cycle of prohibition from Anslinger to Nixon see they can do all this crazy talk of addiction as we're mixing, but I see we something that we're fixing, so let's get it happening as we're rapping and making songs strong. We're going to create an immersive theater piece with music and dance and start to release these stories that were held in the pages of Smoke Signals as we let art and poetry and theater mingle with song and the blast of the saxophone. You hear me rapping the poem. I want it to hit you all the way in your bones and make it vibrate. Let's challenge the hate in this country right now and realize we're all connected. When we do the show, the perfect audience will be 21 to 75 and getting live. We'll have people jumping on stage. We'll create the community together. We'll be out in the audience with you. It'll be intense. There'll be so much inspiration. You'll have to light some incense. We'll take it back as we react and I form a freestyle rap. So hemp resent as we represent and you can smell the sweet scent of this ancient plant. So let it go inside of your endocannabinoid system and open up as it starts to get that feeling that's healing as we rise. So let's feel the tears in our eyes for those who are way in prisons and react with wisdom and start building a feeling as we make it together.
2: Wow. Oh, that is just amazing how you do that, man. That's just really like a shot of uh, spiritual penicillin, man.
3: I appreciate you, man. I
2: you truly got a do. Special and... brain, my brother. <laughs> tell you. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. <laughs> Baba Israel found it, Babaisrael.com. I just want to thank you so much for your contribution, uh, your artistic uh gifts to humanity. Uh and for being on Hempresent, Present, man. And I cannot wait to see cannabis. Uh, the the new uh, hip hop theatrical event that you're putting together, man. I can't
3: wait to share it with you and folks around the world, and uh, and reach out if you're interested in knowing more, connecting, or building with us. You know, we're looking for partners and people to connect with as we create this piece.
2: Uh, that sounds good, man. You can you can plan on my 100 percent support. I you appreciate take care, my you. brother. Peace. Peace. <laughs> now I'm yeah, right. a weekly feature of 100% on Canada's That's the quote of the week, and here it is, and I quote, My inspiration for writing music is like Don McLean did when he did American Pie or Vincent, Lorraine Hansberry with A Raisin in the Sun, like Shakespeare when he does his thing, like deep stories, raw human needs. And those are the words of Tupac Shakur from Tupac Resurrection, 1971 and 1976. That includes concludes this installment of Hemp's on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo Sapien on a journey to justice. As we silence the violence, increase the peace and promote unity in the cannabis community with impunity because when it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice. Find your voice and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, toke it easy, and don't forget to email me at hampresent at gmail.com the hamperzent theme song take back the plants performed by sticker and sung by a y- much younger version of myself turn up the music because i'm out marijuana